You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Impact Church, and I'm so excited that we've got to celebrate and live out and walk together in a whole year of ministry, a whole year of community, a whole year of just watching God be God and do God things. And I'm excited about this morning because what I get to do is highlight what God has done. And that's that's one of my favorite things to do because we know that everything I'm going to mention this morning would not be possible if it wasn't for God. Amen? Man, we need Him. And when we, when we forget that, then we cease to be the church that He's called us to be. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to highlight some things that happened in year one. And some of you have heard these over and over because we love to highlight what God has done over and over and over. So after that, we're going to start a brand new series called EXO Learning to Love. And we're going to talk about one of my favorite things this morning, and that is to live and to love in community. And how we as a a group of believers can truly begin to take steps of faith together. And we're we're going to see what scripture teaches about that. But let me highlight some really cool things that God did in 2020 in year one at Impact Church. I'm going to throw out some numbers to you. And these are the numbers that matter. We had five. Five people come to know Jesus. Five people. Five people who were dead in their sin and their trespasses come to know the living Savior and start following after Him. Their life was forever changed. Five times that heaven rejoiced with us because of salvation. And then we got to see five people take their next step in water baptism. And we had an inflatable hot tub right down here. And the water wasn't very warm. We, the heater wasn't turned on early enough. But, man, these five people, they didn't care that the water was a little cool. They wanted to take their next step of faith. And we got to witness that and be here and celebrate with them that they were declaring that they are Jesus followers and they're going to go wherever Jesus tells them to go. And we got to do that as a church because of God. When the coronavirus hit and we had to stop meeting in person for a few months, they also shut down this school. So the end of school was, was cut short on campus and they had to learn from home. And we were providing what they call Saturday sacks for students here at North Harlem Elementary, and it's just a program for students who are a little less fortunate and they're, they're just in need, and we, we are able to provide them with, with food for the weekends. They get fed here at school during the week, but the weekends they don't have anything, and we were able to provide that. But then they stopped having school. So we had to kind of adjust what we were doing, and we were able to feed 18 students every single day. Every day, not just the weekend. And it's because of 
of your abundant generosity and God's faithfulness in that, that we were able to, to provide food for 18 kids for two, three months. We didn't budget for that. I'm going to be honest with you. It wasn't something that we put in the budget that said, hey, we're going to be able to feed 18 kids for three months. But God worked it out like only God can do. And we got to provide over 100 gift cards to teachers right here at North Harlem Elementary at the beginning of the school year. Just to say thank you. Just to say we care about you. We wrote handwritten notes to every single one of the teachers. It wasn't just some computer printed notes. They were handwritten cards that we wrote to these teachers to say, hey, we're praying for you this year. We're standing in the gap for you. And we want to give you some free coffee and ice cream to go along with it. And man, they were just so grateful of that. And we were able to do that again because of your abundant generosity and because of God's faithfulness through that. Man, we were able to help two families at Christmas time buy Christmas, to buy gifts for their kids. One family had 11 children. I don't know why anybody would want 11 children. I have three, and that's the max for me. But we were able to help get Christmas presents for those kids. And it wasn't just about the presents. It was about us coming together as a, as a body of, of believers, as Jesus followers, and saying, hey, we want to show you the love of God. We want to show God's love to you and your family. And we were able to do that as a church because of your abundant generosity and because of God's faithfulness. And there's just tons of things, and I could keep going and keep going, and the whole message could be nothing, all about what God's done. I'm going to keep going a little bit. So we got to pass out hot chocolate at the Christmas in Harlem, just free hot chocolate. And it wasn't very cold this year. We did it last Christmas, and it was freezing, and we ran out of hot chocolate because people wanted hot chocolate. But it's, it's just something that we got to do in the community. We set up some bounce houses, some inflatables this year so kids could have fun. And again, it's just us showing God's love to the world. We passed out hams at Christmas time to families that were in need. And I'm not trying to highlight Impact Church. I'm trying to highlight what God has done through the faithfulness and the generosity of this body of believers. And when we think about success... Success is how many people come to know God's love, how many people are growing in God's love, and how much we show God's love to the world. I don't care if this room is full of people on a Sunday. I care that we are allowing God to work through us and that people are coming to know who he is. And then it doesn't stop there, that discipleship happens and people are growing in his love and then we're truly going out and being the church beyond the 52 and showing God's love to the world. And our 2020, our year one, although it wasn't what we had planned, I'm a planner. And I, I, I'm a dreamer, but I'm a planner. I write stuff down on paper. I have checklists. Some of my staff get tired of my checklist because it's like, hey, man, I still got these things on my checklist. We need to get done. And they're like, throw your checklist in the trash. Like, I'm tired of the checklist. But I'm just a planner. And there was no way that I could plan for what happened in 2020. There's no way that I could plan after 11 services on campus that we would be kicked out of our building that we use on Sunday mornings and have to do church online. 
couldn't plan for that, and we weren't prepared for that. But because of God, we didn't miss a Sunday. We continued to, to have services online until we were able to meet back again. Man, and, and we get excited about Easter around here, and our first Easter service was online. We didn't even get to meet together for Easter, and I didn't plan that. But God knew, and God still did what God does. And he's continued throughout the whole first year of Impact Church to do God things. And when he stops doing God things, then we stop being the church. Because he is the head of this body. It's not me. It's not the staff. Jesus is the head of the church. And we're going to always focus on him. We're going to always chase after him. And we're going to always celebrate what he does. Not what we do, but what he does. So before we dive in, let me pray really quick for us. And let's give God just a round of applause one more time for 2020 and year one. And you're going to, there's some videos that we're going to play during the celebration. So there's some barbecue out back. And um, once we, we get in here and we start eating, we're going to show you a couple videos. And it's just, one's a picture video highlighting some different things of 2020. And one's a blooper video um, that you're going to really want to see. There's a couple stars in that video that you're going to maybe get their autograph afterwards, but man, it's good. Let's pray really quick. God, we love you. We honor you. We celebrate you today. We would not be where we are personally or as a church without you. God, and we want to keep our focus on that. We always, always, always want to give you the honor and the glory and the praise that you deserve. So God, as we, as we dig into your word and we look at the idea of living in community, God, I pray that you speak this morning through your spirit. God, I pray that lives are forever changed and that people begin to take their next step of faith. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know if you've ever seen the animated movie Ice Age. I think there's like 10 of them now. I'm not sure how many there are. Um, but there's this one cool part of the movie. I'm not a huge fan of the movie, just to be honest with you, but there's one cool part that I like, and it's, it's kind of, I don't know if y'all have seen the movie, but there's like, they're, they're trying to save this little boy, and they're trying to return him to his, his family, his father, somebody. They're trying to return him, and it's these three different animals, right? So it's a mammoth, a sloth, and then like a little tiger, saber-toothed tiger. And so three completely random, unique um, animals trying to save this little boy. And there's one part in this movie where they realize they're on like a volcano. And the ice bridge, it, it melts. So the tiger is kind of stuck on this little ice bridge, and everybody else has already made it across. So he's realizing that this bridge is melting, and he's got to jump or just fall. So he chooses to jump, and he doesn't make it. So he's kind of dangling. And he can't hang on, so he kind of begins to fall. And the mammoth, like, just jumps down into this chasm and throws, throws him up, and he's, he saves him. And then he looks at him, and he says, what, why'd you do that? Like, why would you jump down to save me? You could have died. And I just want to read to you what he said. The mammoth responds like this. He says, that's what you do when you're part of a herd. You look after each other. And this morning, as we dig into community, 
I want you to understand that, man, it's, it's very nice to be a part of a herd. It's very nice to have your people. Man, and as Jesus followers, we have our people. We are our people. And we get to walk through life together. And it's, it's just so special to really be intentional about living in community with other people. And I'm passionate about this topic because without a doubt, I know that God created us to live in community. Without a doubt, I know that. God has always existed himself in community. At creation, it wasn't just God the Father. It was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit together in community at creation. And he says, hey, we, we made you. We made you. And we're made in the image of God. And if God exists in community, then we also should exist in community. And I want to just tell you what that is this morning on a practical, really basic level, what community looks like. And we're going to go back to the early church, and we're just going to read a few verses. And then I'm going to just give you a couple supporting verses so that we truly understand what it means to live in community. It's not just something that we say at church, but it's something that we can live out beyond Sunday morning. Because I want you to know something. As much as I love you coming here on Sunday morning, if this is all you do, and this is how you follow Jesus as you just come to church on a Sunday morning, you're missing the point. Because it's way more than this. It's way more than this. But this part is important as well. So let's jump in really quick. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, it says this. It will be on the screen for you guys. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So number one is this. Living in community is this. It is faithful fellowship. We see that they made it a point to meet together. They devoted themselves to fellowship. And this word fellowship is a mutual term. It's not just that they came to church and allowed the leadership to, to speak into them and to encourage them and to instruct them. It's that together as a community, they did that with each other. That they had fellowship with one another. And there's multiple ways that we can do that as a church. One is what you're doing right now, is coming together and having fellowship on a Sunday morning. And another way that we get to practice that and live that out at impact is through our life groups and how we can meet in people's homes and in the community in different places and we can truly get together in fellowship and we can push each other closer to Jesus. But we have to be faithful about the fellowship, which means that we truly have to be intentional. We truly have to make it a point to meet together with people. And I know, man, I know that life gets busy. Life gets busy for me, and I know that life gets busy for you. And a lot of times we say, hey, we just don't have time 
to commit to any type of fellowship. We just don't have the time to do that. Or maybe we think if we enter into some kind of life group that's pretty small that we just feel like we're going to have to open up and people are going to learn who we really are. And we don't really want people to see who we really are because it's it's easy for us to, to be superficial and to make people believe what we want them to believe about us. But if we have to start opening up, man, they're going to know how dirty I really am. They're going to know my struggles. They're going to know my heartaches. They're going to know my sin. And a lot of times that keeps us from living in fellowship with other people. And I used to be there. I used to be in a place where, man, I was really good at hiding what was going on inside. I was really good at putting on a front. I could say the the church words and I could act really churchy and I could act really pastorally. Man, and I was struggling on the inside, but I didn't want anybody to know. Because then you're vulnerable. People find out. What are people going to think? What are people going to say about me? People still going to like me. They're still going to want to hang out with me. I already don't have a lot of friends, so, I mean, if I lose this one I got, then I'm down to zero. And I got to a place where God just continued through the Spirit to, to work on my heart and say, hey, you have to be real with people. If you really truly want to be the the Christ follower that you're supposed to be, if you want to follow me the way that I've called you to follow me, you have to stop faking it. It's time to get to a place where you open up to people. And I did that reluctantly. Man, and nobody shunned me. And nobody said, man, you're dirty, you're a sinner. I don't want to hang out with you. I don't want to be friends with you. I don't want to talk to you about that. You know what the number one response I heard was? Man, you know what? I've dealt with that myself. Or I struggle with that sometimes too. And man, fellowship begins. A community begins. But we have to be faithful to that fellowship. I heard a pastor say one time that you choose the target that you hit. So you choose where you're going. So either you're going to be intentional about fellowship or you're just going to hope that you stumble across it. And that's not how it works. And we have to be intentional about faithful fellowship if we truly want to live in community. We see that in Hebrews Chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, it says, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. And we understand through context that, man, the the writer of Hebrews was speaking of more of a corporate type get-together and fellowship when he wrote this. And that's important that we, we do come together on Sunday mornings corporately and we worship Jesus. And we, we come together and we stir one another up. And the Greek word for stir here is something that can be positive or negative. It's actually to cause something to, to start happening. And that's what we're called to do. As we live in community, we're called to stir one another up in love and good works. But if we truly want to live and love in community, we must have faithful fellowship. 
The second thing we must have is engaging encouragement. If we keep reading in Hebrews 10, it says, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. And then we see in Romans chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, it says, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So here we have Paul in Romans saying, hey, I want to come, I want to come impart some spiritual gift to you. And this verse has been butchered throughout the history of the church, where they think that Paul is somehow providing people spiritual gifts. And that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, hey, God has given me spiritual gifts, and I want to come use my spiritual gifts to encourage you. I want to use the gifts that God has given me to to love you and to encourage you and to strengthen you. And I want you to use your gifts to do the same for me. But there's a difference between encouragement and engaging encouragement. And you may be thinking, well, kind of sounds the same to me, man. So I don't understand it. And I'm glad that maybe you don't because we're going to have an illustration this morning to, to show the difference between encouragement and engaging encouragement. So I'm going to ask uh, Taryn to come up here. So this bucket is on stage, and you don't really need to know what's in the bucket, but it's heavy. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to move this just a little bit because I want Taryn to pick this bucket up and walk it across the stage. But before she starts, I want you guys to cheer her on. I want you to encourage her. I want you to, to throw out as much encouragement as you can. The louder you get, the more you're encouraging. All right, so, man, that was great. Was it heavy? So, y'all encouraged her, and she walked that heavy bucket from this side to this side with some struggle. Some struggle, a lot of struggle. It's really heavy. So what I want to do is I want to show you the difference between encouragement and engaging encouragement. So I want you to pick somebody from your life group to come and help you carry this bucket. Jason James. This is my buddy. So I don't I don't want y'all to encourage at all this time. But Jason, I want you to encourage her as you help her take this bucket back across the stage. Now y'all can just clap and encourage and say, man, y'all are great. Are you sore? So here's the difference between encouragement and engaging encouragement. Man, we can sit on the sideline and we can cheer and we can cheer and we can watch people struggle to carry stuff through life. Or we can engage in that encouragement and say, hey, let me grab the other side of this struggle. Let me walk with you through this struggle. Let me be there for you. Let's do life together. That's the difference. If we, if we truly want to live in community, we must, we must have engaging encouragement. We must be willing to jump into the chasm and say, hey, I know this could have hurt me. 
I know I could have struggled. I know maybe I could have died. But you're worth it because when you're a part of a herd, that's what you do. And that's where we have to get as a church. If we truly want to live a life of love and live a life beyond the 52, man, it takes community. It takes truly engaging in encouragement to stir one another up in love, to carry burdens with one another. I don't know if you've ever had to carry a burden by yourself to walk through a difficult situation alone, to fight some sin with nobody else knowing about it. But it's miserable because God didn't intend for us to do this by ourselves. But man, when we open up and we're, we're faithful in our fellowship with people and we get that heard, man, they get to walk with us through that. And I'm not telling you not to encourage and to yell and to cheer. Man, do that. But when it's time to engage, step in and engage. When it's time to pick up the other side of the bucket, pick up the other side of the bucket and walk. And if you need somebody else, call somebody else. Because we're a herd. And we do this life together. Because I'm convinced that our best shot at being the Christ followers that Jesus has called us to be is doing it together. That's our best shot. Our best shot is doing it together. And then number three is this. Is we must have a loving loyalty. Loving loyalty. We see as we finish uh, reading in Acts 2, it said in verse 44 and 45, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They were loyal to one another. Now, I don't want you to think that like this was the start of, of socialism or something like that. That's not what they're talking about. There was people in their herd in need. And they came together as a herd, as a group of believers, as a body of Christ, and said, hey, we don't want anybody in our herd to be in need. We want to give so that everybody, that everybody is where they need to be. Man, they were loyal to one another. They loved each other. And that is the key ingredient to living in community, is love. And this word, love, that they, that they use, man, this is, this is the agape type love. This isn't just a brotherly love or a romantic love. This is, this is a godly love, a sacrificial love that we say, hey, I know that maybe this is going to hurt me, but I know that you need it, and I love you, and I don't want you to be in need. And as a community, we get to, we get to share with one another. We get to be loyal with one another. And as we close this morning, I'm going to close with a story from 1 Samuel chapter 18. And this is, this is a story about David. And this is right after, right after David killed Goliath. And David was just, just some little random guy. 
that had some faith and some courage and some boldness. And this is, this is what happens right after that. He's, he's talking to King Saul. 1 Samuel 18, starting in verse 1, it says this. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan, who was Saul's son, was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servant. Here's, here's, the con, here's what happened, is that Saul has an oldest son, Jonathan, who is the rightful heir to be the next king. And David, who is the youngest son of a farmer, begins to speak to Saul and tell him about his heart and, you know, how he trusted God to take out the, the giant and... Jonathan overhears this, and because of David's heart and his, his love for God, Jonathan says, hey, man, I love this guy. And they make a covenant with one another. And Jonathan says, hey, man, I know that you, you need to be the next king, not me. So he hands over his robe. He hands over his armor. He hands over his sword. He hands over his belt. Everything that would make him the, the rightful heir to the throne, which he was, Jonathan said, no, this should be you. And I love you enough to give you this. I love you enough as, as my brother because of your heart, because you're chasing Jesus and I'm chasing Jesus. And together, I know we're different. I know we're unique. I know that I'm the eldest son of a king and you're the youngest son of a farmer. I know that my life was, was different than yours. I was raised a little better maybe with, with the socioeconomic stuff. I was, I was kind of babied a little bit. And I know that you had to work for everything that you had. I know that you had a lot of brothers that were older than you that, man, your father really wanted them to step up and be something. But for some reason, God has chosen you. And I know we're different. And I know that my dad's not going to like this. I know that he really wants me to be the next king, but man, I love you and I want to sacrifice and give to you. And he gave him, he gave him what he had as the rightful heir of the throne. He gave it to David because he loved him. Do we love people like that? Because that's what true community looks like. True community looks like loving people in a real sacrificial serving way. Proverbs says this, Proverbs 18, 24 says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I don't know if you've ever had a friend in your life that was closer to you than 
a blood brother or sister. Someone that you could just go to and open up. Someone that you could count on to be there. Someone that you knew had your best intentions at heart. Because when we get in a relationship of true community, that's what it's about. It's about encouraging one another, engaging with one another, and really truly caring about the success and the well-being of each other. And I've I've been a part of, of community groups or life groups where, man, there's we've cried together because of sadness. We've celebrated together because of good things. We've prayed together because of struggle or heartache. We've sent resumes out for people because we have connections that somebody else may not have. We truly do life together. Man, and I love my life group. If you want to come be a part of it, we would love for you to come. Taryn and Jason are both in my life group. And I'm telling you, I would have picked up that bucket with them. Because I don't want them to struggle. Because I love them. And I want what's best for them. That's what community is. And community is being faithful in your fellowship is meeting together on Sundays, but also joining a life group, being willing to open up to people, being willing to to care about and to love people, is engaging in encouragement. It's not just sitting on the sideline cheering and saying, hey, I'm praying for you. That's good, but people need some, some engagement. Let's walk with people through this life. Let's hold their hand. Let's link arms with people. Let's truly be a herd of Jesus followers taking our next step of faith together, chasing after Jesus. And let's let's lovingly be loyal to one another. Or we say, hey, I know that this may be a sacrifice for me, but it's worth it because I love you. I want to walk with you and I'll cry with you and I'll pray with you and I'll celebrate with you. I'll fight with you. But we're going to do this together because we're a herd and that's what herds do. So this morning, if you don't have a life group and I want to challenge you, we have our life groups beginning this week. One's meeting this Wednesday night. It'll be in person at the Civic Center at 6.30. And then our other group is going to be virtual, and it'll be Thursday night. And Pastor Andrew is starting out when you can see him. If you're interested in joining that virtual group, you can see Ross Minton. If you're interested in joining the Wednesday night group at the Civic Center. Or if you're interested in starting a group, come, come talk to me. But, man, I want to encourage you to take that step and begin to live in true community. May your life will never be the same. Your life will never be the same because what you do is you change where you're you're aiming. So the target that you hit is a little different.
Man, and that's special to me and I'm passionate about that. So I'm encouraging you and I'll help you get started if you need help. I'll help you get signed up. I'll go with you to your first group if you want me to, whatever you need. I'll be there to support you and help you take that step. And there's plenty of other people in this room that'll do the same thing. But we can't experience true community without first knowing who Jesus is. There may be somebody in this room this morning that has never truly accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They've never started a relationship with Jesus. And if that's you this morning, I don't want you to leave this place without making that decision. So I'm going to ask everyone just to close their eyes. You don't have to stand up, but just bow your head and close your eyes this morning. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.